Hello everyone, I'm Bonnie Gordon. I'm Josh Dashwood. This is Bruce Horak. I'm Olivia Youngers. Hello, and thank you for listening to Unplanned Trek. Oh, and welcome to Unplanned Trek, the show that beamed down with the away team, but not with its pants. That's I'm right. Andrew. I'm Isaac. And we have a guest on the show today. We do. We have author J. Diane Dotson, who... I've got actually a little story about how we met. No actually. way. Yeah. So this, this has been a while coming, but um, a long time ago, maybe... Well, not really a long time ago. Not like Star Wars, long, long time ago in a galaxy like, far, far away kind of time. But last, last week. Yeah, recently, yeah. Um, I started following Diane on Twitter, mm-hmm. and she reached out and said that I, I think I might have been your... Was it 10,000th follower at the time, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And as such, mm. I won a copy of one of her novels. Oh, wow. Which she signed and sent here. And I went, well, that's fantastic, but while you're doing that, would you also like to come on our podcast as well? And surprisingly, she said yes. Did you check that she liked Star Trek? I, I, I did ask. Oh, good. Because yeah. that, that would be weird and inconvenient. It could be an awkward episode. But yes, thank you for, for, first of all, the book, but thank you for coming on the podcast today. So for those who don't know, tell us what you've written. So I have written a four-book space opera series called The Questrazon Saga, which is made of heliopause, ephemeris, accretion, and luminiferous. I'd love to hear you say all those words. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in struggle. And I have a new book that just came out that is my traditional publishing debut. It's called The Shadow Galaxy, and it is a collection of short stories and poetry spanning science fiction, horror, fantasy, and Appalachian stories because I grew up in East Tennessee. And I have another debut later this year called The Inn at the Amethyst Lantern, and that is a young adult lunar punk sci-fi fantasy adventure set in the future and features a threat from someone in our time. So it's a lot of fun. Lunar punk. Is lunar punk, is that punks on the moon? No, it's more about... It's the opposite of solar punk, which is like a future in which there's sustainable solar, you know, ecological connections and so solar solar punk. That can't be punks on the sun. The opposite is lunar punk. So there would be instead of that, you would have night living, in which case the society is mostly, you know, existing at night instead of during the day because of climate change and other environmental disasters that have happened between now and that future making it more feasible to be outside at night and so, so it's, during the day. it's really just goths listening to the Smiths and the Cure and just wandering around being a bit depressed. Well, no, they're not depressed. They're actually pretty happy. It's oh. a utopia. Are they? It's uh, full of oh. luminescence and glowing things and fun robots and talking animals and, you know, interesting, sustainable living. You know, you have... A, a great way to heat your home that's sustainable and doesn't use any outside energy. Oh, it's Friday, I'm in love. <laughs> there's a lot, but the thing is, though, there's there's a lighthouse, a purple and white striped lighthouse that is mm. called the Amethyst Lantern. And in the shadow of the lighthouse is an ancient inn that holds a secret to something that happened a long time ago that's buried deep in the earth that is coming back to haunt everyone. So this group of teens has to deal with it and 
chaos ensues, but it also has a little bit of Star Trek action because there's definitely kind of a nod to Wrath of Khan, somebody that's been in stasis a long time, comes back and is in a bad mood. Right. So, so the, get, it's a lot of fun. Getting back to the purple and white lighthouse, I'm just going to throw something out there that mm-hmm. I, very few of our listeners will understand, and if you do get it, tweet it, the Fremantle Dockers. Okay. I'll just leave that there. All right. Diana, okay. but this is, you, you are like the most qualified person to ever be on this show. Not only that, though, but um, what I spotted recently on Twitter is Diana's also setting up something with the, you know, with the threat of AI and what it does to creative arts in the future. She's setting oh. up a publishing house. Why is there artificial intelligence, but there's not artificial stupidity? Yes. Yeah, good question. I, I'm absolutely not qualified to, to, to talk anything above stupidity. All right, we'll park so, that one. I'll, yeah. I'll research it on, on the internet. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask an AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can, can you tell us a bit more about that venture? Because that sounds also quite heroic, particularly for your, your peers in, in the writing world. Oh, yes. The, uh, the thought of losing jobs to AI is at center stage right now in Hollywood with the Writers Guild mm. strike which studios are not guaranteeing that some of these scripts will not be written by AI. So that's a problem because, you know, writers don't do this for fun. We do it because it's mm. a living yeah. and we don't want to lose our jobs. I am also a science writer and I already know of content and science jobs that science writing jobs that are going away because AI scraping content mm. and make, you know, you can generate articles from that. And so it's deeply concerning, mm. and I know that in the publishing industry, it's causing waves like Clark's World Magazine, for example, has had to freeze submissions because there have been so many AI-written short stories submitted to Clark's World, and that's not good. So, mm. and the rest of publishing is affected. Cover artists yeah. are facing risk. That's already happened. There was a, there was a science fiction book that somebody realized was AI generated art and that was a big deal and so I'm all about supporting creatives Mm. being a creative myself sure I'm biased but at the same time I've paid a lot of artists over the years and editors and I believe in supporting their work Mm. I also come from a legacy of being a daughter of a storyteller and indie author as well as a mother who was in a printing press so I'm kind of destined to be a publisher I published my first four books myself and everything else is traditionally published. So I'm a hybrid author and I already know how to do all of the setup. I am friends with a lot of small press owners who are willing to help out. But in addition to all of this, this would be actually under an overarching production company that I'm starting with my husband, Gareth L. Powell, who is also a science fiction writer. And we, I'm in Hollywood area, I'm in Los Angeles, so it makes sense to kind of just build this production company. I I love film and I love creative content, love podcasts, and I want to be able to help drive creativity and make make more good stuff, you know, but make it human-based. So, like, everybody in this conversation has written stuff apart from me. Like, Isaac's written all these notes for the mm. for the yes, episode. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, notes, notes. Like, mm. that's like notes. You've written, <laughs> you've written like 40 gazillion books. I wrote a tweet that's once. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm exactly right. I wrote a tweet once. Yeah, I've seen your tweets. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're good, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is Jack Dorino from Let's Talk About Tracks, and this is too short to be a promo. This week's episode, which I'm trying to pronounce as the Illusion Kingdom, which 
I'm not sure is completely right, but I struggle with saying Porthos from... You do. ...from Enterprise. You know, I watched it um, again last night, and I actually think the the actual word is only said about once in the whole episode. Right, right. Like, I think Mabenga says it once. It's interesting you say that, uh, because I do have one of our segments coming up later. Oh, what, you, a numerical you, segment. You counted the words. I counted some of words. Of course you counted the words. But we'll get words. to that. Um, so this episode's fantastic. It, um, it's, it starts off with Mabenga um, reading to his daughter, who's, in, who's usually in the transport buffer, so she mm. doesn't age or get even further sick. But he, he brings her out sometimes and reads to her. Then he goes to the bridge to see what's happening with Ortegas, who's injured, and mm-hmm. the whole ship changes into um, a medieval time, and all the characters have changed to represent characters that are in the book. Mm. Hilarity ensues. Okay, that's one way of saying it. Yeah. Or you could describe the episode as Mabenga gets a face full of happy dust, trips out for the whole episode, everybody gets into their fancy pants, has a great time... <laughs> Captain Pike is a bit of a bit of a wussy wuss, and then everybody gets better again at the end, uh, and his daughter grows up really fast. That's true. Which they do. They, they do. They do they? grow they, fast. Yeah. That's that's from a certain point of view. Yeah, that's how I would say the episode went. Mm. If this was your first stroll in Star Trek, would you watch a second episode? Yeah, except yeah. they'd never get into the fancy pants again, so I'd be a bit disappointed. <laughs> like there was a lot of Princess Bride level sword fights. There were. There were. And I, I like a good sword fight. Yeah. 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 What, what about you, Diane? Would you watch another episode of of Star Trek if this was your first wander into the genre? Well, yeah, because I love swashbuckling adventures, and I love people being put in weird situations in which they would not ever voluntarily do. Mm. Because it makes you, it makes you realize there might be a facet to that person you didn't know about. Mm, that's true especially when they swash their buckle or when they're completely the opposite to what their normal character is that's yeah. that, that's a, that's part of the appeal of this is seeing them being yeah, it's, not it's their like, normal it's not near a universe mm. but it kind of is mm. well you know what the most the, the most not playing to character was pike's hair it, oh, yeah it oh went it, it went down it didn't go up yeah pike's it went, it did that icky thing with the oh. That was one of my least favorite characters. Was his hair? Oh, good. You've you're playing our format very well. That was it. it was a wicked center part, wasn't it? It was. It was yeah, magnificent. It, yeah. It, the, yeah. the part was so so rigid. I reckon it would have hurt. Mm. Yeah, I thought you yeah. should have had a mullet. Oh, that would have been good. Oh my god, a mullet would have been magnificent. They need to do. They need to do like a late eighties time travel trip and do mullets. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, with those hyper colour shirts where you could sweat and they would change colour or go a bit darker. Oh, I was too old to have them back then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a move. I think what we're looking for is anyway. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've got a lot of ways to analyse this today. I've made a lot of notes today. No, oh, you have too. But um, don't worry, it's it's all good stuff. Yeah. Really. Captain Jean-Luc Picard medal. So the, the first medal that we're going to give out this week is the Picard medal. And the Picard medal for new players? Okay, the Jean-Luc Picard, the JLP, is for the best character, actor, or, well, basic person in the episode. And we give three, two, one votes. Three the best, two the second best, one the least best. 
Third best. Third best? Because there's the least best that don't get points. Don't complicate things. Oh, I'm making it harder. That's You yeah. are. <laughs> anyway, who's giving the votes out this week? Well, not me, not me, not me. Yeah, yeah, not you, but not me either. Oh, really? <laughs> we've got a special guest, so we've got a... We've got to delegate a little bit. So Diane's had a look at the, the characters and has, has some analysis for us. Who have you got this week? So, I mean, the Doctor, of course, I, I have to remove him from, from that because, of course, he's the best thing about the whole episode. But I'm not going to list him in my favourites and least favourites because he's still him, right? Although right. one of my favourites is also still the same. So... Uh, Caster Hammer, who remains, you know, himself. Um, he was wonderful yes. in this episode, and willing to go above and beyond and risk his own comfort level and safety to help out when needed. So he was a true hero. Mm. And I loved Uhura as Queen Mev. Loved epic slay, mm. fashion icon. You know, imperious powerful like you know i just was like that was just a wonderful flipping of the switch you know into this super fabulous look right and um evil queen she wore it well so her, that was great her nails were so long they took out an electorate they did <laughs> they could have yeah. taken out a lot they could have taken an eye out <laughs> mm. yeah so that she was super fabulous and i loved ortega's audio yes uh, uh absolute hoot a real adventure you know, like, I mean, I love Ortega's anyway, right? Yeah, so, she's fantastic. One of my favorite characters in the whole show. But with Adia, you have this sort of, you know, the swashbuckling hero who's also very sardonic. And I just, that worked for me. It, it worked for me too. I've got, um, I wrote for her, what a night must be in our team. I would want, I would want her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic votes. Did you give us those in the order, like, as in Hema, Hema 3, Uhura 2, Ortega's 1? Or the other way around? Uh, yeah, let's keep it at that order. 1, 2, 3. Yeah. Terrific. It, it, it is important. Oh, absolutely. The, 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 the points do line up for, for, for medals, but we're not in a position to give anything out. But we're, we're sure it matters, particularly to the fict- fictional characters. I thought there was big prizes at the end of this. Oh, that's what I told you when you joined the show. Oh, right. <laughs> another story. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Another yeah. one. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All yeah. right, keep going then. The Keiko O'Brien Medal. The Keiko O'Brien Medal, is it? Well, of course, because if you have a JLP, you have to have a KOB. And the KOB is really the three people who didn't cover themselves in glory in the episode, shall we say. Uh, Maybe the three people who were a tad annoying. Or hairstyles. Or we didn't, or hairstyles. Or, well, we've already had, I mean, a moustache has got this award once. It has. Because it annoyed me a lot. Yeah, that was a very annoying moustache. It was mine. It was more annoying than yours. Yeah. So, Diane, I believe you're going to give the KOB as well. Okay, so do you want me to go from my three worst? How do you want me to rank them? Like absolute worst to least worst or least to... Other way around, yeah. Build up to the worst. Okay, building up to the worst. Apple as Lady Audrey bored me. Boring... I was like, this person is just moonbeaming around in the background. And that, that was kind of, for Chapel, 
Mm. I think she she just she just popped in from like uh, from Nimbin or somewhere like that. Oh yeah, it did. It did look. She did look very hippie, didn't very she? Hippie, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was totally hippie, dippy. You know, new age, whatever. And I was like, that's boring. Um, mm. So she didn't really. That didn't work for me. Pike got on my nerves. Mm. Ralph, um, his hair really got on my nerves. But <laughs> I'm not listing his hair as a character. Man, I'm just lumping it all together. They're like, I was like, yeah, I appreciate the range and the difference from Captain Pike's regular personality but like oh just irritated me and you probably can guess who i'm gonna pick is the most annoying no i got no i got got nothing if it's not pike's hair oh you see i found this really hard because all the characters were awesome but potentially spock no i kind of he was he and number one were kind of like median like they didn't do one thing for me either way but Talia, no, that's Talia. Uh, the princess with the dog. Oh, oh. <laughs> nails on the chalkboard. I could not stand. The, oh, I was like, oh god, no, my ears—they bleed. <laughs> I thought she was the best. Yeah, I, I, oh. but I think, yeah, it's because it's so bad that she's the best. She had a puppy though. <laughs> yes, and we'll get to that. I oh, know. We'll get to that. <laughs> Mm. And hot camp, but it just, I don't know, it probably triggered some old memory or something. I was like, I can't do this with this person. What did you think of her song, Of Morning? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I was just starting to recover from it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll bring it up again. Well, I was morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely morning. How huge was her outfit as well? Oh, it was a meringue. Yeah. yeah. That was, it was, um... It was larger than my dress at my wedding. Oh, I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> if she, if she, if they transported her somewhere, they would have needed the entire transporter pad. Yes. Well, yeah. All, all the spots. All the spots yeah. would have been taken. Yeah. 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 Um, I paid attention, didn't I? Right? What was that? About so, like back in the early nineties, I was a Barbie spokesmodel twice. So I would, I had to dress as Barbie. That's I a had, thing. I had platinum blonde hair at the time. And I had to go and be Barbie at toy wow. stores. Um, and it was a good-paying model job, right? So, but it was with Mattel, contracted out. And I had to wear this enormous... I mean, there's a picture of me on Twitter that I showed uh, of me as Barbie from the 90s. Huge pink dress with the big sash and the Barbie, you know, a big puffy pink sleeves. And the thing was huge, but, but that princess's dress was enormous in comparison to the Barbie dress, so... Mm. Wow! Yeah. Um, when when you you know agreed to come on our show, did you think that there would be an opportunity to talk about Barbie as well? That, that's huge! No. What a. Not to mention the dress. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. But our to- our first word in our title, mm-hmm. unplanned. unplanned. We're allowed to talk about whatever we like on this podcast. So I I had to be a Ken doll once. So I just had to stand there and not move. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that was our podcast. Well, yes. Yeah. That's what we do now. Yeah, that's right. What are we doing next? What? Good God. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Well, now, the next medal is Worf. What is it good for? 
good for fighting. It is very good for fighting. And there was, I think it's fair to say, I, I, I think. Did you get that? I, yeah, I I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in. I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing Sean Connery again. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God, don't start me. I think there. it's fair to say there was a lot of fighting. It's interesting you said that. Because uh-huh. I thought there was a lot of fighting in this episode too. But I think it was more the threat of fighting in this episode was higher. Like it always felt like there was a fight or about to be a fight. But in reality, yeah. there's actually not that many fights. Really? Yep, yep. So uh, the the fights I've got listed is Hema got dragged by the Crimson Guard. Yep. Ortegas fought the Crimson Guard with Una coming in and using her bow and arrow to yeah, to thwart off that attack. Indigo Montoya style. Okay, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, come on. Yeah. And Pike and Mabenga had a fight. Yes, they did. And the... You could argue that the whole episode was Mabenga versus Uhura, but they didn't fight. No. It was more no. what what they were after, the Mercury Stone. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they, were, they were using their their agents to fight for them, you know. Yeah, so. true. Yeah, Uhura didn't do, didn't do anything in this episode, but her people did stuff for her. She just sat yeah. there and bossed around. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was yeah. queen. She was doing queen things. It's a good job to have. Yep. Evil queen. Mm. Yeah, Evil Queen. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. The best type of queen. I, I, when I was doing this, I thought I was going to have a lot of fights. But to be honest, an episode of Enterprise has twice as many fights as this. A normal episode of it. There's a lot of fighting there in is, Enterprise. There is. There is. Fair, fair call. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like that idea. Cool. Dogs wag tails. And cats don't like to be seen. This one's for Grudge. Because she is our queen. So for new players, the Grudge Medal. Did I say Grunge? No, you no, said Grudge. I said Grudge. It's okay, yeah. Elysian. Yeah. I heard Grudge, <laughs> oh, but someone is wearing a flannel shirt, so maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's for sure. I could, I could do either. You are Grunge. Yeah. Whereas I'm country, I'm country and Western. Yeah. He's he's both types of music. Yeah, country and Western. <laughs> the Grudge Medal is for. Any animals or pets that we see in the episode, mm. and it's a it's a segment close to Andrew's heart because he's a he's a pet guy. I am. Yeah, I'm a cat man. You're a cat man. I don't mind a puppy. And we saw one this week. We did. Oh, we I saw did. a little puppy that got carried around that was about half the size of my cat. Yes, it was a small puppy. Yeah, Runa. Runa. Yeah. Okay. And in real life, Runa is the actress that plays Lan's actual dog. It's Christine Chong's dog. It is. Wouldn't that be... See, that's great. Because I just, I just love the whole idea. You get the script and they're like working out who's going to be who. Mm. And they're like, oh, shit, we need a dog for this yeah. scene. Ah, yeah. uh, Christy, can you bring your dog? Because <laughs> we forgot yeah, the dog. Really and, and That part I didn't like about her. I love the dog. Yeah. yeah. I just love the fact that it's like it's her dog because like they can't clearly plan to have a dog. <laughs> what, what I really yeah, admire... The dog's totally relaxed. Yes. So. As I was about to say, the dog didn't react at all to the loud, loud singing. Which is very good sort of grudge metal, because grudge is pretty chilled. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Grudge is about as chilled as an animal can get. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be a point to ruin it this week. Oh, well done. Some say that it's Kirk, and others know that it's Garrick. But my contention is that the alpha male of Star Trek is Sarek. Sarek's lineage. A new segment? 
No, we've done it before. We've done it before. That doesn't come up every week. Not every week. One close to my heart. It's it's the Sarek medal. Yes. For who could possibly be related to Sarek, or really, to flip it around, who's not related to Sarek in yeah. this episode. Well, this episode gave us empirical proof that there's another another person on the Sarek family tree. Really? It's Hema. How can that possibly be? He was Spock's brother. Oh, my goodness me. Yeah. He was yeah. in the book. Yeah, that's all I need. It, it's tenuous, yes. Yeah, it is. But but I'm, I'm taking it. So we, we've got proof now that Hema, Hema's dad is Sarek, and we assume that the mum is... It, it's not Andorian, is it? It's... Aina. Aina. I knew oh. you'd know, right? Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Sarek roams far and wide. <laughs> he roams. He certainly does. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's a good one. Well mm. done. Thank you. The Mercury Stone Game Show. Now, for a bit of fun, guys. As opposed to what we've been doing up until now. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, we, we're really getting serious now. Okay. There were multiple references to the Mercury Stone or the Stone mm-hmm. this episode. Yep. Now, my house isn't completely <clears throat> distraction-free when I watch an episode, but I noted down how many times I heard it. All right. How many times do you think they referred to the stone or the mercury stone in this episode? The closest wins the podcast oh, out of you two. Oh, my goodness me. We might start with, with Diane with this. How many times do you reckon they referenced the mercury stone this week? Ten. Ten. It's a good mm. number. It's a good number. Do you reckon you can get closer? Twelve. Twelve is closer. Hey, I am the winner. I counted 15 times, which is... Once every three minutes on a show like this. It is too. Yeah. yeah. It's really labouring the point. Yeah. Yeah. Stone, <laughs> crimson, mercury, whatevs. You sound like you're making a 70s band. Like that sounds like the name of a 70s band. The Crimson Mercuries. The Crimson Mercury Stones. I would listen to them. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't you a six stack of CD player? I'm, oh, yeah. my stack of CD. It's just, yeah. it's just out there in the car. Yeah, hello. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mornhub. Mornhub. I mean, there was a lot of people who looked like they were in love in that episode. And we were in love with a lot of them in the episode. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But there was there was a lot of dressing up, and you know, when when you dress up like that, you know, you just you just exuding love. Really. Yes, that's right. So we give points here for relationships, and we usually base it on Riker, as in, what would Riker have done? Who would Riker have done? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we don't see a relationship in this episode, or romance for that matter, but we do have. It, it's established that Ortegas and Number One had a relationship prior oh. to the to what happens in this episode, and oh. I wondered if that was enough to qualify them for more. Oh, I thought they were still on. There was. Do you, do you think they were still? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah? What did you think, Diane? Well, I mean, it was it was pretty obvious to me that there was chemistry and history mm. there. Mm. You know, blood page, so to speak. So. Yep. Well, they both qualify for a point this week. So yep. more on the charts. Absolutely. Excellent. And what about what about Laan and her puppy? Oh, that's a that's a friendship. 
It's not to the Mourn level. Oh, this I is Mourn. This is right. Yeah, this okay. is romance, not romance. Not yeah. We we, we have to draw a line. Can't yeah. romance your puppy. Yeah, yes. It's for Captain Shaw. It's for Captain Shaw. What would Captain Shaw say to this? He'd say, "No." We actually have a truly new segment. We this do. Week. We, we do. do. It is. It is the Captain Liam Shaw no moment. So what we really loved about Picard season three was when Shaw said no to the ruse. In most narratives, yeah, mm. yes, Diane. I've not seen season three. What's that? I've not seen season three. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Someone says the word no. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's all we'll give give away. Yeah, that's okay. That's all the context you need, to be honest. In in a lot of narratives, when a when a ruse is presented, the characters go with the ruse, and people get away with a ruse. Right? They do, yes. Often in television, the yeah. ruse is all the episode. But the one that we're referring to is when a when a character basically just said, "No, we're not doing that." Mm. And I felt that this episode had a had a no moment as well. Oh, did it really? Pike, he was knowing all he the time. He didn't want to be in this episode at all. But he knocked yeah. off like big time. Yep. He did. He waited. For, well, he he was patiently waiting for a chance to leave. But when when that when that time arose, he took the time to leave. He left. He ran away. He scarped. He did a lot of running away. Yeah. But to be honest, I wouldn't have lasted as long as he did in the episode. Either. What with the sword fighting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been really good at that. Yeah. I'm I'm pen is mightier than the sword kind of. I mean, I would have got my arm chopped off. off and stuff. Oh yeah, but I'm, you would have been there. That would have been great yeah, though. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been really good. Yeah. <laughs> For, you know, but it would have been fun. Are you saying it wouldn't have been fun? Sword fighting. The sword fighting's always fun until you lose one of your limbs. I would have sword fought. I say this to you all the time. I would have sword fighted you. Yeah. Yes, true. Yes, I know. That would have yeah. been hilarious. Most of our pods end with you threatening to sword fight me. Yeah, well, yeah. one time it's going to happen soon. Yeah. <laughs> you wait for it. Okay. Well, do we get to... Should we... we do the intro again. Should we do another... Back, mm, oh, yes. I recently took long sword lessons. Fantastic. Is there nothing you haven't done? Long <laughs> money. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, right. But it's okay. We're we're right with you there. Um, so now, can I ask the question? So, what what made you choose like long sword, not short sword, or broad sword, or rapier, or saber, or samurai sword? I mean, why well, long? I have, I have two ninja swords of my own. Of course you I do. Own. Of course you do. Um, but. I wanted to take long sword lessons because I have a book on submission with my agent and uh, I, this is a relatively new, I've had my agent for, you know, a few months and I wrote a book with her guidance, looking at all my properties that I, all my stories in progress. And we decided on an epic fantasy that I had planned out. So in that book, there are swords, you know, and it was a sort of alternate medieval, but also kind of crossed with like, futuristic stuff so i decided that in order to know what i was talking about to for future fantasy books i wanted to learn long sword so that's that as you do do you start with the short sword before you upgrade to a long or is it you can go straight in the training sword no straight to long okay well there you go i'm 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 self-taught myself i i just you know picked one up i just picked it up He's got, random. He's got a chainsaw. I've got... Yes, I do have a chainsaw. Yeah. Okay, I've, I've, I've got two chain, chainsaws. 
Yeah, in a sword fight, a chainsaw is pretty useful. Yes. To be quite honest. In fighting, chainsaw is yeah, pretty useful. Just full, full stop, yeah. It's incredibly useful for cutting down trees. Our contractual negotiations usually ended with you threatening with, chainsaw. With a chainsaw. Yeah. That, that's how come I do so well at it. I am not rich. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Should have they used a saucer separation? So another segment that, w- that regular listeners have heard us do is, well, in three episodes of Next Generation, they had a saucer separation. But that yep. means there was 171 episodes that could have been improved with a saucer separation. But they did not. Yes. Mm. So Andrew likes to look at how this episode could have been improved by using that technology that we know exists mm. in the future. That's exactly right. And I come up with two scenarios here. The first one is they would have really confused uh, Mr. Gas Consciousness person if they'd separated the saucer, because would like both parts would the would the battle would the, would the engineering and the saucer both have stayed part of the book, Ooh. or would one have just disappeared and become normal ship, and or, the other or one a different become, book, or a different book? Oh my gosh! So say one of them became like. Like like the Elysian thingy thingy what? Well said. Thingy thingy what? Yep. Yeah, and then the other one became like, I don't know, um, what's a book? I've never read any. Grug. Grug? <laughs> Grug's or, a good book. Or one of Diane's books. Megan Mogg. Yep. Yeah. Or, um, so, I don't know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Yes. That would have been good, actually. Yeah, so th- that was that one. But then I thought, no, that's lame. That's as if anything else I say isn't lame. We didn't want to say it. No, thanks, thanks for that, mate. So I actually thought that Pike's character would have clearly run off into the saucer section and just just taken off, just gone. Pike would have taken and gone. Yeah, he would have taken the entire saucer section and just gone because he was so scaredy cat. Yeah, and that would have also confused Mister Gas Monster. Excellent. Yeah, did Gas Monster have a name? I didn't note it. No. Yeah. Oh, and that's not. Um, no. She got named. I mean, could he have taken off? Because it kind of seemed to me like the ship was under the entity's control. Maybe that saucer couldn't have separated at all. It's a good point. Remember, like, oh. this is how Ortegas got injured in the first place was she tried to make the engine go. And it wouldn't go. Right. Yeah. And she's a good pilot. Know. She knows what to but press to make that thing go. Yeah. He totally would have tried it, and it totally wouldn't have worked. I reckon, it, I reckon it would have just detached and they both would have just sort of drifted apart slowly. Like a sad relationship, you know. <laughs> just drifted apart. Or like a podcast that's gone too long. Like a, like a podcast that's gone way too long. He didn't want that ship separated, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't eat. He would, have, he would have totally thought about doing it. The entity yeah. doesn't get a say. I get a say. Okay. I'm, oh, okay. I am executive in charge of source of separations. Yeah, I've seen for, the tattoo. For Paramount Plus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a big deal. I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a big deal. Well, that wraps up all our medals, all our segments for this week. It's been a blast. Like, I loved watching this episode. But it's also fun doing it with our unique lens with it and giving out votes and just celebrating all good things, Trek. But also doing it with a new friend. With all good things? Did I say that? Where'd you get that from? Oh, that'd be a great name for an episode. It would be. It they, would should, be. they should do that. It would be easier to say than this episode, the which Elusian, I call... Elysian, Elysian, um I'm no good. Billie Eilish. <laughs> um, what, what I love about having guests on 
is less work for me. Yes, that, that is one good, good thing. Might but as well it's, be honest. It's been fantastic to chat to you. Thanks again for, um, you know, not only contributing to our podcast, but going into um, in depth about what, what you do and what you've been releasing, also what's upcoming. It sounds like a really exciting and busy time ahead. So, yeah, thanks for making some time for us. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been a great. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah. look, we are Unplanned Trek. Now, if you want to hit us up on Twitter while you still can, mm. please do, at Unplanned Trek. Do it before Elno burns the whole place down. Uh, how else can you get in touch with us? We're also on Facebook and Instance. Instance? The Instagrams. Oh, the yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it's right. just a search for Unplanned Trek there. We have a website. We do. That's unplannedtrek.com. Now, we're, our podcast is available on a number of podcast outlets, but you already know that if you listen to this because yeah. you listen to the podcast. And this is probably their preferred podcast app. It place. probably is. But if you don't like this podcast app, get us somewhere else. And Diane, if people are interested in sourcing some of your books from, from hearing you on our pod today, what's the best, where's the best place for them to go? You can order my books pretty much anywhere online. Look for J. Diane Dotson. Make sure that Diane has two N's. Please visit my website, jdianedotson.com, J-D-I-A-N-N-E-D-O-T-S-O-N.com. You can find me on Twitter at jdianedotson, J-D-I-A-N-N-E-D-O-T-S-O-N. Same handle for Instagram and most other apps as well. Terrific. That's fantastic. Please, so, please do head to those places, guys, and if you weren't already following Diane. Now's a good, great time to do it. It is. Yeah. So um, we don't know what episode we're doing next week No, yet, but, but we'll reveal that on the twits as well. We will put that yeah. out there. And I'm going to say I've got a special prize next week for somebody. Wow. Yeah. I didn't say who. No, no. Not yet. You haven't said what the prize is either. No, I'm not gonna, that, that's a, it's a surprise prize. Oh, God. Do, do I still have final edit? Can I get rid of that? Yeah. Yeah, great. If, great. I'll kill you. Yeah, is that the prize? <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's just not what you'd expect. That's because it's unplanned track. Unplanned track. Unplanned track. Thank you for listening to Unplanned Trek. This show is written by Isaac Brown and improvised by Andrew Hogan. Unplanned Trek. We upload our podcast weekly via Acast. Unplanned Trek is part of the Anodyne Relay network of podcasts. Unplanned Trek. If you like what you hear, make sure you get notifications from your favourite podcast provider to make sure you know when we next release a pod. I'm Olivia Youngers, who plays Ensign Riggs, who is resting until her next duty assignment. Hear me talk about all of that on Unplanned Trek. You can find links to other episodes and merch at unplannedtrek.com. This is also where you can find our Patreon page where, amongst other things, you can hear our exclusive podcast on Star Trek V, which we're reviewing one minute at a time. Unplanned Trek. Follow our socials on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or write to us at hello at unplannedtrek.com. Unplanned Trek. We're thankful to all our listeners, including you. Special thanks to Mark Cartier and the entire Shuttlepod show team, David Joseph Moody from Let's Talk About Treks, 
Pointer John, Lee Nickel, and Thomas Norris. This is Bruce Horak, and you are listening to Unplanned Track. Live long and prosper. Unplanned Track. Wrestling papers, wrestling papers. Hello, everyone. I'm Bonnie Gordon from Star Trek Prodigy, and you're listening to Unplanned Trek. <laughs>